Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. This week's Lawn Order Marathon winner is Madeline French of Milwaukee, Oregon. Madeline will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Erica Vialba, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories. These are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast, we'll break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit, Season 11, Episode 24, Shattered. Elliot, shots were just fired in the morgue. Sophie's barricaded herself inside. I'll take care of that. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers on Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcast. It's Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. Bonjour, Kevin. <laughs> ah, thank you so much. And for giving me this uh, this talisman to keep me safe. Oh, I'm so glad that you're safe. Yes. Uh, Don't be scared. <laughs> rounding out our panel is our special returning guest from the That Aged Well podcast, Erica Vialba. Hi, Erica. Hello, welcome from Gary the Gonzo Clown's back, scary back room in his store. It's the Goofarama. <laughs> the Goofarama. How yeah. dare they put that character in an episode and not make him the villain? Yes. <laughs> so many great things to talk about in this episode. But yeah, you know, we talk a lot about like what does not hold up about these SVU episodes. But what part of Law and Order in that universe do you think has aged well? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. End of show. And the yeah. show. Dun dun. <laughs> uh, well, not Stabler. Um, right. I, you know, actually, I will say Liv. Liv ages pretty well. Liv has grown with the show and has become, I think, the current iteration of, of Olivia Benson is pretty good, right? Like, it's uh-huh, yeah. solid police work. Generally cares about the 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 people they're they're helping. So yeah, I'd say Olivia Benson is aged the best of anything on Law and Order in any of the Law and Order franchises. I like to say she could be worse. She she could be worse. <laughs> sure, sure could. Not perfect. Could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> she could be literally any other cop on any other franchise. Yep. So, Erica, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite Law and Order detective team. Oh, well, uh, last time I was on your show, I was a big cheater who cheated, and I gave two examples. And uh, they were uh, uh, Briscoe and Green and Finn and Munch. And I'm Mm -hmm. just going to stick to the answer this time and say Finn and Munch, once again, they're the best. They are the best. And you have to respect uh, Richard Belzer, R.I.P. Mm-hmm. That's right. So give it up to him. Appreciate that. Can you tell us who is your favorite 
prosecutorial team. Favorite law and order, district attorney prosecutorial team. You know, I am loving Carisi in the last few seasons, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, yeah, I'm going to give it up for, for Carisi. I love the actor who plays him, too. I think he's really good. Peter um, Scaravino, yeah. Yeah, he's great. And so him and Liv make a great, great combination. We have had a, a streak now of people that have picked Carisi. He's my favorite uh, yeah. now, too. I have I dumped my old favorite, and now he is my now favorite, too. Oh. I love him. Well, who was your old favorite? Was I it... used to like What's-Her-Face. Uh, Olivia? Yeah. Oh, Angie right. Harmon. <laughs> yeah. Now I like, I like Carisi now. Carisi is now my favorite prosecutorial teammate of one. But 100%. Abby Carmichael could kick the shit out of Carisi if 100%. she needed to. Oh, 100%. I think Alexandra Cabot also could kick the shit out of Carisi if she needed to. Yeah, and then fake her own death and disappear. <laughs> All right, now let's take a look at the first half of this episode. Special Victims Unit, Season 11, Episode 24, Shattered. Eight-year-old Nicholas is nearly hit by a taxi while crossing the street. Phew! That's probably the worst thing that's going to happen to him. <laughs> that is... Until he's pulled into a van and kidnapped. Tell me what happened. The boy ran in front of my cab. It was not my fault. Then he was gone. There was a delivery van on the curb. Catch a plate? No, but it was red and yellow with flowers painted on the side. It was blue and green with bunny rabbits. And the kid, what'd he look like? I'd say 10, brown hair, this tall. No, this tall. Eight. Benson and Stabler learn Nicholas's father has custody because his French mother is an unbalanced academic who likes to study tribal cultures in remote China and stalk her son at school. Finn learns Sophie Gerard had a French passport for Nicholas, booked one-way tickets to China, and withdrew $25,000 presumably to pay a professional kidnapper. They track down an ex-Green Beret in a warehouse who says he was hired by Sophie to snatch her son But he backed out when he learned that she didn't have legal custody. So who's the kidnapper and where's Nicholas? The detectives learn a man with a young boy used Sophie's credit card to check into a motel. But he escaped with the child dressed in the maid's clothes and in her car. Local police spot the getaway vehicle and begin a high-speed chase that ends with the car going into the Long Island Sound, killing both Nicholas and his abductor. Well, as soon as the little boy says, my mom gave me this Tibetan necklace to keep me safe, you knew he was a dead kid walking. That's true. <laughs> it's an amulet from the Masuo people. Where'd you get it? She brought it back from Tibet. It's supposed to keep me safe, so I can't take it off. That's so cool. Text me if you figure out those fractions. Bye, Nicholas. Bye, Becca. Now, can we just like do a little disclaimer here? Yeah. In this episode, a kid dies. But it is still one of the funniest episodes of SVU that's ever been. It's a fake kid, so don't don't get worried about it, folks. Yes. Yeah, it's a it's a bummer that that kid dies, but he died so that we can get Isabel Huppert and Sharon Stone yelling at each other from across a tiny table, like two Academy Award nominated actresses just battling it out, doing some of the funniest dialogue they've ever had, I think, on SVU. Yes, yes. And I, after the last episode where I was laughing my ass off about a baby in the trash. <laughs> I will be doing that again, except this time the child died. I just want to tell everybody that up front. Yeah, but the child gave himself, you know, for a, a greater cause. That's so true. I'm going to salute yeah. you. Doing the salute emoji. <laughs> thanks, Nicholas. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks but, for your service. Yes. But, that, I mean, talk about the least conspicuous van you could ever use for a kidnapping. <laughs> Goofarama. It's got balloons and clowns and bunny rabbits. It might as well have a sign on the back saying, kidnapped baby on board. <laughs> <laughs> Why were there two Goofarama vans? Why? 
Why? They, they, they copied it so that he could get away, so that they could pin it on Gary, the 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 Goofarama genius. I don't know. They when they go and interview that clown, it is the scariest nightmare clown that <laughs> you could possibly imagine. Like in your head, picture a nightmare clown. You got it. That's it. Gacy-arama. 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 And so I'm like, okay, he didn't kidnap this kid, but (laughs) check his basement, guys. Yeah, it could be a twofer, right? (laughs) The van van does look like the one that belongs to, as you say, Gary's Goofarama. And so Benson and Stabler go, and they have their guns drawn when the clown comes out with a handful of balloons. Freeze, NYPD! Ah, My balloons are getting away! Well, you're not... Was the boy. What boy? The one you snatched an hour ago. I've been here all day taking orders and doing inventory. And I wish there had been a shootout because there would have been double the pops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, van, the van is Gary's Goofarama van. The van that kidnapped him said Goofarama on it. I know because I paused and I read it. It said Goofarama, <laughs> which, by the way, what a great kidnap van that is, right? It's great. No, no. A nondescript, just black van. You know, why did you have to go through the trouble of vinyl wrapping a van just so that you could buy 20 minutes worth of... uh, That van confused the hell out of all the witnesses. Erica, this would have been a much shorter case if the witnesses just got their shit together. (laughs) Those witnesses. What about the van driver? Uh, No one saw him. Of course I saw him. It was a white man. The guy was dark-skinned. Foreign. They're idiots. Only his hands were visible and they had gloves on. She's the idiot. I know what I saw. Three witnesses, ten different stories. All we know for sure is there's a kid out there who needs help. Okay, first of all, the I feel like the director of the episode just told every guest actor, take it to a hundred. Like, mm-hmm. don't you think you if you think you're at a hundred, keep going. Because <laughs> those three at the beginning are just giving everything they've ever gotten, like in those performances. It's three the three angriest New Yorkers. You could possibly encounter. Yeah. By the way, we know that New York police did not shoot the clown because he was wearing whiteface. That's true. So, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Doubled up on that. Yeah, too. keeping yeah. himself safe. <laughs> so, the school surveillance video captures Sophie talking to Nicholas at the bus stop. By the way, it's a great two camera shot. So, you get both faces, right? So, you can use the switch or cut back and forth. And they bring in Officer Nelson, who can read lips. Thank God. What is she saying now? Just remember, whatever happens, don't be scared. Jatem, Nicholas. You did good. Got a deaf grandma that'll be happy to know that. If grandma is deaf, why can he read lips? <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> she, she, she taught him how to do it. I have no idea. That's a great question. <laughs> that is a sign language I would get. Yeah. Like brush up on your sign yeah. line. Okay, thank you very. You know, I think Grandma also didn't teach him how to keep his gun in his holster and not get <laughs> not get not get his gun taken by a thirty-seven-year-old academic. Yeah, <laughs> read my lips. You're an idiot. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at our cast. It's our very special guest star, Miss Sharon Stone. Yay! Woo! Oscar Yay! nominee for Casino. This is her last of four appearances as Assistant District Attorney Joe Marlowe. You can can-can your ass off, Dr. Gerard, but you've got some explaining to do. Like why you borrowed $50,000 from your parents two weeks ago. She's so bad on this show. I was surprised. I love how bad she is on this show. It's like she she was like, 
I want to look back to the point of my career when I didn't know how to act and practice that again. I want to like hail back to my roots. Erica, she's got a one note, right? <laughs> she is. Okay. So I was looking at her IMDb because I was like, what? led to this like Mm -hmm. why is she doing svu episodes and like catwoman came out like seven years before this and if you look at her imdb it is downhill from there like she's had a resurgence recently but like she had a bad run of bad movies i feel like she just desperately needed this paycheck could not be phoning it in any less yeah, I always wonder with her whether or not she got like blackballed, like Weinstein or something like that, because she definitely had a run there where people, you know, she her career was gangbusters and mm-hmm. then it just was not. And the men she was in movies with, even bad movies with, did fine. They were fine. Yeah, yeah. that's a good question. That's Holly. I mean, Halle Berry, too. If you think about that Catwoman, like mm-hmm. her career took a little dive after that, too. Yeah. Being Catwoman is not good. And Hathaway and... Anne Hathaway's been fine. She's been fine. <laughs> She's been fine. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Michelle Pfeiffer did okay, I guess. Yeah. I, eh, yeah. I Zoe mean, that, Kravitz, her cat moving movie didn't even come out. Yeah. She's lucky. She's she, she's avoiding the curse, the curse of the Catwoman. Isn't yeah. that Zoe Kravitz that was in that one? Was I, am I right about that? I'm not sure. I don't know because it didn't come out. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you think Lenny Kravitz paid off HBO to be or whoever to be like, don't just don't release it? I'm so sorry. So Sharon Stone's ex-husband once required surgery after being bit on the foot by a kimono dragon during a private tour of the L.A. Zoo that she arranged for Father's Day. Oh, my God. Same. Yeah. Same. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. So relatable. Yeah. By the way, I I think it's the most creative way to say I want a divorce ever. Oh, my God. Uh, In 2009... She stated that she was blocked from the dating app Bumble because others suspected that it was fake. That's right. What, her her profile? Yeah, that they thought it was like somebody <laughs> pretending, pretending to, be, to be her. They don't have blue check marks either on Bumble, so, you know. I love that. I, yeah. I remember when that happened and she actually came out and was like, no, it's me. It actually, I am Sharon Stone and I am dating on Bumble. Like, like that is incredible to me that like you can yeah. go on like Hinge and and like a famous person will just be there. I yeah, be that. like picks, picks, picks. <laughs> hmm. Who now is like single and like on Hinge and just hanging? Like, can can is is Chalamet on there? Can we can we all find him on there? <laughs> there must be a couple of Real Housewives, right? A hundred percent. Trying to make it, yeah. By the way, speaking of things that did not age well, her vagina. Uh, she wait what she tried to block the 30th anniversary release of basic instinct still disputing the details around the cross the leg scene i still can't see it you mean you can't see it i i I cannot see it well i can see it uh very well i I was like a forensic expert when i watched that movie and i was like oh there it is i found it there it is it's hard to spot you gotta look you gotta really look and if you're really looking that's on you kevin yeah (laughs) well look She says that she was asked to remove her panties because the camera picked up a flash of white and instead it got a flash of pink. No, I'm just going to leave it there. (laughs) By the way, it's the most paused moment in movie history. Well, I paused and I still can't see it. But maybe the problem is because you're pausing. Like maybe like that's could be could be. It's uh, 26 minutes and 59 seconds in. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. Skin. According to Mr. Skin. (laughs) (laughs) So we have a Hey, It's That Girl. Hey, It's That Girl. Who's playing Sophie Gerard? 
Isabelle Huppert. Who's Nicholas? I told you, I don't know. Why aren't you out there trying to find him? Yes, Oscar nominee for L. She lost to Emma Stone, by the way. That's a stab. In the- <laughs> That's- for that dumbass movie about jazz. Yes. <laughs> that movie, like the first time he gives her a monologue about jazz, I'm like, no, abs- you are not allowed to do this to my ears. Stop it. I know. I, I love it when white people explain jazz to uh, No, and it's a people. shame, too, because he's so cute. So uh, she is the French Meryl Streep, having been nominated 16 times for the Caesar Award, more than any other actor. She was on Call Your Agent, by the way. Yeah, she was, yeah. Uh, along with a lot of very uh, famous French stars. She caused a controversy at Cannes Red Carpet. Or do you call it can? can I call it Cannes. Can, right. can. Yeah. Uh, she, you're not supposed to wear flat shoes or going bare feet on the red carpet. So she walked down the carpet wearing high-heeled shoes that were shaped and colored to look like feet. <laughs> I love that for her. So cool. and everything. <laughs> How does WikiFeet feel about that? I think that's a one out of five. I think they felt duped. <laughs> okay. We have a Hey, It's That Guy. Hey, it's that guy. Who is the actor playing Paul, the dad? I actually do know this one because I watch Friday Night Lights. That's um, mm. D.W. something. D.W. Moffat? Is that his name? Correct. Yeah. Two years ago, she discovered some godforsaken tribe in China, and she wanted to drag Nicholas along with her right before school started. I said no. She went crazy. Yeah, he played the dad, John Kennish, on 104 episodes of ABC Family's Switched at Birth. Uh, I didn't watch that one. Not having a great run as a, as a parent so far. But he was the love-to-hate Joe McCoy on Friday Night Lights. Okay. He also had recurring roles on Chicago Med, Life is Wild, Happily Divorced, and For Your Love. Happily Divorced. Excellent. What a romp. I think that was uh, Fran Drescher. Oh, okay. Like comedy. And, All right. Yeah. Fran. I, I refer to him when I see him as not Bruce Campbell. Oh, look, it's not Bruce Campbell. Because mm. you think you're getting Bruce Campbell, and then he turns around, and you're like, damn it. So close. Mm. No, yeah. no. It's like high heel shoes. Discount. like feet. Yeah. Discount Bruce Campbell. Discount Bruce Campbell. Yeah. So last month, he was introduced by Phoenix Global as the new executive vice president of media and entertainment. And I have no idea what that is. It sounds like the live golf of entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you recognize the guy playing Gary the Clown, who was nearly gunned down for carrying balloons? No, I was too busy. No, because I couldn't look at him. Having a nightmare, a waking nightmare. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that was a buzzo birthday bouquet. I'm sending in my PDA bill. That's Tom Allen Robbins. Five Law & Order appearances. He'll be immortalized for Seinfeld as Stan, the father who asked Jerry and Elaine to be godparents. The one with the shaky moil who circumcised Jerry's finger. Oh, right. <laughs> For a second, I thought you said it was Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins, no. <laughs> I'm like, wow, were he and Susan having a fight that day? And he was like, I got to go be a clown on SVU. Yeah. Man. Lastly, do you know who's playing the motel clerk? Do you have a camera on the parking lot? Sure do. No, at the Goodnight Motel. Yeah. Ooh, no. The best, best name for a motel to go kill somebody at <laughs> that I've ever heard. <laughs> that actor's name is Goran Ivansky. He's playing the Soviet medical doctor Dmitry Mayakovsky in Apple TV Plus's For All Mankind. That's the one where the Americans and Russians fight it out on the moon. Hmm. Oh. I don't like uh, giving out people's real email addresses, but his is... Go, go, gadget, Gorin at gmail.com. <laughs> you know what? You just want it to give it away at that point. If you're if it's that yeah. good. 
Uh, so he is from Macedonia, and he learned to speak English by watching Tom Cruise films, he says. That tracks. Yeah, he also uh, came to the U.S. with a perfect American accent, but in most of the roles he gets, he has to use a Russian accent mm. because of his, his name, right? Because he's typecast because of his stupid name? Yeah. Not his yeah. stupid name. They start stupidly typecast him because of his name. Exactly. Don't at me. <laughs> go, go, Gadget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he says as a kid growing up in the former Yugoslavia, his favorite movie was Trains, Planes, and Automobiles. And he says there's nothing funnier than a five-year-old kid in Macedonia saying, I want my fucking car right fucking now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so they get Sophie to admit that she hired someone to stage the kidnapping. He's Jason Kulross, an ex-Green Beret. And they say he's got no real ties to New York. He doesn't have an apartment, but tickety tick 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 uh, He does own an empty warehouse in Red Hook. Amazing. Oh, my gosh, not suspicious at all. Yeah, but it, warehouse, it seems like it's more real estate than he actually needs. Yeah, it's like he's opening a brewery next month. Like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> he gets a whole warehouse and there's nothing stored in it. It's like a hipster nightclub is his next plan. A hundred percent. That warehouse is worth $50 million if it's a minute. Like, yeah. sell it, bro. Sell it and get yourself a warehouse in Staten Island. They're cheap. Open up a podcast studio or some shit. You could do anything with that space. <laughs> Uh, he's got, like, whiteboards full of surveillance photos of Nicholas. It's extra. Yeah. It's really extra Honestly, during the day, he could just not even change the space and, like, do corporate retreats in there. Like, people pretending to be Marines or whatever. Whatever they want to do in that, like, giant, terrifying warehouse space. Speaking of pretending to be a Marine, Stabler, who thinks because he was in the Marines 20 years ago, <laughs> he can take on a Green Beret with just live. Like, she's not, like dead wood that he's pulling along with her. So he goes to the warehouse and he turns his back for one second and he finds Olivia passed out on the ground. Liv, hold it. You picked the wrong place to rob, douchebag. NYPD, drop it. She could be dead. She could be dead. You see her shoes. He doesn't respond up. like she's dead. Do you guys notice that? Like, he's like, she looks like she's dead and he's just like, huh. he like almost rolls his eyes. He's like, live, geez, get up <laughs> again. What's your deal? Well, he learned his, he learned his lesson that time that, uh, uh, she got stabbed and he was supposed to go chasing the kid who got kidnapped. Oh and, yeah. You know, Grand Central mm -hmm. Station. Oh my God. No, no. They're too close to each other. Eh, so he's uh, okay. You're, uh, I'll check later to see. We're if you're too dead. close. Yeah, it was like sleeper hold or Vulcan neck pinch. Sleeper something like hold. That. Yeah. <laughs> but then Stabler like knocks the guy unconscious with a left-handed punch. Okay, I he know. cold cocks him. Right? I'm like, yeah. they're not allowed to do that. Right? That's not NYPD protocol. There's a few of those. There's two at least come in this episode on. where I'm like, come on, Stabler. They might not be allowed to, but you know they like to. <laughs> How did he know the guy next to him was an air marshal on the plane? I flew back this morning. Don't believe me? Check with the TSA. My seatmate was an air marshal. He'll verify my story. They don't tell you that shit. Th that was, mm. th I thought that was funny, too. He's like, you can check the flight record. I was sitting next to the air marshal. And I'm like, is the air marshal just like, Psst, hey, I'm the air marshal. <laughs> don't tell anyone maybe he was kidnapping the air marshal <laughs> I mean who knows now I'm thinking that that professional kidnapper might not be great at his job but the other one the real kidnapper he checks into the goodnight motel and he says 
I'd like a room with an adjacent door to a room being cleaned by a maid who wears a size dress big enough for me to fit in. Yes, he's so good at his job. <laughs> Bad driver, great kidnapper. Great yeah. kidnapper. Honestly, for all your kidnapping needs, please reach out to this gentleman. So instead of NBC paying for a car chase, we just hear one over the police radio. Going way too fast. It's like an episode of The Lone Ranger. (laughs) (laughs) So we hear the crash of the car. We hear broken glass. But you know what we don't hear? A splash. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're right. It's like it hit, like it crashed into a truck. No, it like went over and splash. I wonder if they were going through the sound effects and they just couldn't find anything that like sounded appropriate. It was just like splish splash instead of like, oh, no, there's a child in danger. Kerplunk. (laughs) <laughs> like they couldn't find one. How close was the guy that, you know, you could hear that on his radio? Yeah. And you know what? With he the was, siren going and everything. And I'll say, too, that car must have gone down fast because he didn't even take off his seatbelt. That guy was still sitting in the front seat of the car, like straight up seatbelt on and everything. No, you mean one of the mannequins that they borrowed from that morgue scene at the end of the episode. Oh, my God. Oh, the morgue scene. All white, too, by the way. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Well, it was a gentrified part of the morgue, I guess. Well, they rented them from Barney's, and we know. We yeah, just right. know. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. All right, now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. Learning her son is dead, Sophie suffers a psychotic break, believing Nicholas is still alive. Sophie, we need you to tell us what you did. I need to go home. Nicholas will be out of school soon. I always take him a little snack. Nicholas is not at school. I need to go home. Nicholas will be out of school soon. He loves the mom keepers. Huang suggests Benson and Marlowe bring Sophie to the morgue to see Nicholas is dead, which turns out to be a big mistake. While viewing Nicholas's body, Paul Olson also arrives to see his dead son. After a struggle, Sophie takes the patrolman's handgun and holds everyone hostage. She aims at Paul, but misses and strikes Warner in her side. Locked out of the morgue, Stapler gets the building's blueprints to find a way in. Meanwhile, as the blood fills her lungs, Warner directs Olivia how to insert a chest tube to relieve the danger. Marlowe leans into Sophie's psychosis by saying, Nicholas wouldn't want to see Melinda die. She agrees to let her go, and Benson wheels her out of the room. With Sophie still holding her and Paul hostage, Marlowe tries to defuse the situation by telling her that Nicholas is alive and needs her. Sophie says, 
What the fuck? Even I don't believe that now. <laughs> Stabler goes full on diehard, making his way into the morgue through the air duct. That's when he gets a text from Craig and with the real story. Elliot tells Sophie that Paul was the one who hired the kidnapper, trying to set her up. She turns the gun on Paul and is about to blow his brains out when, and we will never unsee this shit, Marlo distracts her by carrying her dead boy to her. She places Nicholas in her arms and says, your son needs you and you need a really good lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so they bring in Wong. Bring in Wong. He's our And he's looking through the window and he says, yep, she's psychotic mm -hmm. and will be for weeks unless you show her the dead body. What could possibly go wrong? This is just police work 101. You just show you show the grieving parents, the dead kid. It's like the Solomon thing, which which one of them grieves the less is the obviously the kidnapper. That's just that's just the fact. It is so messed up. Also, they're so mean to this woman from the beginning of the episode. Like mm -hmm. the the when they're first introduced to the character, the principal is like, oh, that's the boy's mother. She's French. And I'm like, <laughs> she believes in the matriarchy. How is that like pertinent to this story? And then later on, when like uh, Marlo is interviewing her, she's like, you can 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 your way out of this, but you have some <laughs> explaining to do. And I'm like, that's not even a good insult. That's no, there's, there's so many better ways to insult the French. <laughs> yeah, and Marlo's like, well, she's going to bang her brains out in the booby hatch. Who the fuck talks like this? <laughs> it's Dick Tracy. <laughs> ah, it's in a booby hatch, see? I can't believe they would send Stabler in to de-escalate any situation, ever. No. It just makes no sense. Every time he's like, I got this, I'm like, you don't got this. You do, you have to hang back. Yeah, Craig, and think for a second before you tell him he that. He only had it the one time, and that was when that monkey was in that basketball. The only oh. time he <laughs> ever Such had a good it. One. So when they get there, they pull the sheet back, and Nicholas is there with his clothes removed, except... Dead, dead by for the, the way. Dead, obviously, uh, except for the Tibetan safety talisman. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want to dwell too much on how to undress a dead boy, but if a thing is, is worth doing. <laughs> <laughs> but in your in your experience, in your vast experience on this yeah. topic. Yeah. Well, it would have been in the way of the Y incision, right? So yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> probably worth removing the talisman. The one time Melinda doesn't remove the jewelry. Yeah. You know, I think she was like, you know what? This was supposed to keep him safe. I'm going to leave it here yeah. to troll everybody. Maybe it'll keep him not scared. <laughs> there is a bit like later where Isabelle Huppert like runs up to the boy and starts kissing him on the lips. Did you guys mm -hmm. catch that? That's a that's yes. a kid. That's like an actual like a, like 10 year old, 12 year old kid that is not related to Isabelle Huppert. And I was like, are they allowed to just have her manhandle this child? Oh, she's French. You know, it's. I'm, it may have been an improvised scene, and all I could think about was the parents who were 100% definitely on that set with that child, if they're, if they're decent parents, and they're like, this is what we signed our kid up for today. Yeah. Honestly, though, if that's improvised, kudos for that kid, because he yeah. does not flinch. Like, he, does he just not. lets her fully make out with him, and he's like, whatever, I'm a dead baby, I'm a dead baby. And the, the kid's parents are on this said, we don't want any underwear advice from Sharon Stone. Nope. <laughs> So it's a clusterfuck when Paul and Officer Nelson come in, comes in and like there's this argument and Sophie pulls the gun out of his holster. He's my son, you bastard! Sophie, Sophie, put the gun down. 
Now you put yours down or she will die. Everyone will die. Why <laughs> is he even there? He was had one job, which was to read lips, which he should not have been able to do, as you pointed <laughs> out, because it was his grandmother who's deaf, not him. Right. <sighs> I'll never be able to figure that one out. You said to drive him home, but I said, why not swing by the morgue on the way? (laughs) (laughs) I thought that'd be great. Next time I'm going to get a holster with one of those snaps. Yeah. Yeah. Which literally is what a holster is for, is to hold a gun. By the way, in real life, the way that the the sidearm fits into those holsters, you can't pull them out in that direction. You have to pull them straight up. No shit. So, you know, but like, you know, we had like the magic talisman. So like, we're really not thinking about like realism in this this episode. We aren't? No, we never do. You don't think the Columbia anthropology professor didn't know how to to unholster a gun so easily? It just makes no sense. You don't think putting a chest tube in someone's hip is realistic? I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, let's get there, right? They do the thing where they're like quick enough to duck and dodge a bullet, but too bad Warner isn't that fast. No. One of you out! No! No! I'm not going anywhere. Out! What is wrong with you? Have you gone completely insane? It's surprising that that morgue would have any supplies that could save a life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, why does she have clean gauze? Does it matter? Why is there betadine in a morgue? I don't know. Oh, why is there betadine? That's the thing. I mean, uh, why is there stuff to sterilize a wound in a morgue? Because mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. never know when someone sends you a body that's not dead. So Elliot can't get into the morgue, so he tells Nelson, Get me the blueprints to the building now. Get me the blueprints to the building. Oh, my God. Instead of saying, get me a key to that door. Exactly. <laughs> Which one's easier, guys? By the way, Nelson finally comes through. He's like, sure, blueprints, they're around here somewhere. No problem. Every building has a copy of their blueprints around. It's like that episode of the Brady Bunch in the amusement park with the Yogi Bear poster and like the thing and the blueprints. Where were those blueprints? Did you go to City Hall where they're like filed? No, no, they just have them like in a drawer somewhere. The blueprints to the morgue. You don't wait. You don't have the blueprints to your local morgue. I don't have the blueprints to my house and I've lived here since 2013. (laughs) (laughs) No, it makes no sense. And then also like, why did so he's going through the air ducts, right? Like, does he need blueprints for that? Like, just go into the next room, go into the air duct you're that you're there. You done it. You don't need blueprints. We've all watched it. Lift the uh, panel in the ceiling. Look yeah. around. Yeah, it's not that hard. We've all watched the movies, guys. I've seen Bruce Willis do it. He's like, "Come out to the coves, get together, have a few laughs," you know. And, <laughs> and even the part where they like shoot through the air duct, right? And the little you see the 100%. smoke and the light coming. Apparently, through. you can also duck in duck in an air duct. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. At least Stabler Just, kept his shoes on. Good for you, Stabler. Sophie pistol whips Paul. Stabler takes the air duct into the refrigerated, where the refrigerated slabs are, which, by the way, having an air duct that drops down into a refrigerator seems unlikely. Fridge doesn't need an external HVAC system. Maybe it's just going through there, though. Maybe it's just going through there, yeah. You know what's gross is I'm now only realizing that was a refrigerator. I thought it was just a room temperature room of dead bodies because they also <laughs> like they're you're right they don't look like people they look like mannequins they look like barney's yeah. mannequins right but it's also incongruous in a different way What's that we are always in the morgue and we watch them pull bodies out of drawers 
All right. those bodies were just stacked on shelves like produce. Yeah. yeah. No drawers in sight. No separate little compartment containers. Vegetables, fruit. Just stacked there. Yeah. It's, right. like, it's like the warming room at a bakery where they just let stuff. Loaves. Yeah. Just like the loaves yeah. were rising. Okay. Yep. All the bodies were white. They were all thin and they were all young. All of them. Where what? did these people die? What were they doing? Who were they? Okay. I have so many questions. One of them's got to be the kidnapper, right? <laughs> One of them is a, it's a rave, right? It's a rave yeah. where someone, someone, okay, I'm, uh, there was Bad a downtown. shit went around. Yeah, yeah. There's a downtown like nightclub. It's all young men. There's a rave. Someone lights a light where he shouldn't. Boom. The building explodes. Yep. Cor- oh. Morgue full of beautiful young corpses. Hazing at beautiful a frat corpses, party. Yeah. Yes. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Hazing at a, at a frat that's only beautiful corpses. Uh, so the craziest fucking thing is then we see Sharon Stone spin around like a magician says, is this your card? No, I mean, is this your son? <laughs> God, it was just an accident. Tell God in person. No, 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 Sophie, don't. No, Sophie. Your son needs you. Nicholas needs you. Your son needs you. And then carries him across the room and goes... Here you go. <laughs> it is of uh, it is maybe a top three moment in SVU history. It is so fucking funny. It is like spit take funny, ridiculously funny. There is a dead body in Sharon Stone's hands. And I can't. I just can't. The music is swelling and it's filmed like mm. a like like she's a statue of like Mary and, and Jesus. Like it's <laughs> it's like filmed as though she's just this like this like holy scene. It's absolutely bonkers bananas. And I think the camera's shooting up, right? So it like makes her look even more like a like I don't know, like some kind of like angel carrying this dead babe. It's so yeah. it's awful, but it's so funny. I'm gonna say you have to see that when she spins, it's like a pirouette. She's holding the child and it's just like, <laughs> swoop, surprise. What were the writers of this episode thinking? Because, I don't know. Like, there's so many. It's, first of all, there's a very funny moment where, it's a moment where they roll Melinda out and she's like, not dead yet, boys, right? It's like this you moment vultures. of levity. Uh, and like also after like... Um, you know, she has to have surgery performed on her by Liv, literally in the wrong part of her body, which is very funny. Mm. Get a scalpel, lift of tubing, and beta die. I don't know if I can do this. They'd get ready to watch me die. No wonder she's so mean to Liv during it. She's like, you got this. No, you don't. Move it to the left. God damn it, Liv. (laughs) Also, like, okay, so Joe's whole thing is she's like, I understand your pain. I understand the pain of losing a child. I had a shitty boyfriend once. Yes. Who was kind of shitty to me and dumped me. So I get it. But things do change. What do you know? Have you lost a child? No. So, you have lost nothing. Last year I got diagnosed with cancer. A very aggressive kind. I had to have a bilateral radical mastectomy. I had reconstructive surgery. But it wasn't good enough for my lover. And I'm like, they, they're they they're saying it as though the audience would be like, oh, yeah, she does understand this woman's pain. And I'm like, one of these things is not like the other. Yeah, What right. are you doing? 
But it seems like the whole purpose of that speech was for Elliot to understand why she's been a dick the whole time he's known her, right? Because in the, he's in the duct going, oh, that's oh, why. Oh, this is why she's been such a sea bag the whole time <laughs> I've known her. Because a year ago, a guy dumped her because, I, I mean, to be it. fair, this she This is had- why she's an alcoholic yeah. sea bag. I get it now. She had cancer. She had a double mastectomy is the story. And her shitty boyfriend dumped her over it. And like, the obviously, the cancer thing is terrible. And I'm glad she's fine. I no, guess. it's funny because yeah. it yeah. happened to her. <laughs> <laughs> but like, literally, that's her whole thing. And she's like, I totally get what you're going through. Let me tell you my struggles. And I'm like, no, yeah. sh- sh- keep it to yourself, girl. You're not helping. And... Not to mention this ridiculous fucking plot twist that it was the husband who planned kidnapping number two because somehow he knew about kidnapping number one all along, which is never explained. Like we're supposed to like have this mental gymnastic thing where like, what? Well, isn't it crazy that both parents would separately get the idea to kidnap their son at the same time? It's like the kidnapping gift of the Magi. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Maybe these two do belong together. They should work it out. Like two kidnappers found each other. They they fell in love. It's like the Pina Colada song. (laughs) Didn't you want to know? Do you like kidnapping children? (laughs) Watch them drown in the lake. (laughs) Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Rip from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the Headlines. Some plot points for this episode come from the international child abduction case of Sean Goldman. The boy was born to an American father and Brazilian mother. In 2004, Bruno Bianchi took four-year-old Sean to South America and refused to return to the US. David Goldman sued in Brazilian courts to get Sean back. A judge found the boy was wrongfully taken from his father, but ruled the child could stay in Brazil. Bianchi remarried an attorney and died during childbirth in 2008. Her husband, João Paulo Lindsay Silva, retained custody of Sean by changing his birth certificate and refusing to send him back to the United States. The custody case became an international incident with American diplomats pressuring the Brazilians to turn Sean over. Congress debated stripping Brazil of its trade status. The nation's highest court ruled Sean could return to his father in the US and was handed over on Christmas Eve 2009. Today, David and Sean Goldman both work as advocates in cases of international child abduction. 
So the Goldman say that these cases are international child abduction. Do you think that term is too harsh? I'm just I'm just wondering. It's it's you know custodial kidnapping is a, is a I, big I issue. Guess it, I, I guess mean, it all depends on what is the triggering event that like makes you want to leave the country with your child. Like sometimes it could just be literally a kidnapping and sometimes it could be, hey, my partner is super abusive and the only way to get away from them is literally to leave the country. So I don't know. Mm. I Yeah, I wish I knew more background about this particular story because it's like, why? Why can't the kid live in Brazil? So huh, what's interesting too is like, like in the situation in the episode, she's like taking him to China. So she's French, but she's taking yeah. him to China. And in the real life case, like the woman is Brazilian and she's just taking him home essentially to her home right. country. Right. So like, yeah, what, how much of a crime is it? And that is what I'm asking, I guess. Like, I mean, to, to dig in a little more here, it's that, you know, he had joint custody mm-hmm. and she unilaterally took him out of the kind and not going to bring him back. Why? He has, but, yeah. Why? Well, why doesn't really matter? It does it, no, matter. It, no, if a judge says you have equal rights or whatever the rights are, you have to go by that. There isn't any indication that he was abusive. That that would be a, something completely different. He tried to get his son back. In the meantime, she dies. Mm-hmm. So he is living with the stepfather, who has no blood connection there, oh. and he won't send him back. Hmm. So yeah. that I mean that that was the thing, and then. Let's see. So she dies in childbirth and the new husband, John Paolo, he took over Sean's custody claim, but he failed to tell the court that the mother died. Oh, well. he just went along with like, oh, yeah, don't know anything. So he argued in Brazilian court that he was Sean's true father because he spent all of his time with him and he likes me more than his biological father or something like that. I am still claiming don't have enough information. I'm sorry. I know it should be more cut and dry than this. I am still claiming don't have enough information only because I have been wrong about this kind of thing before. (laughs) (laughs) That to me in this particular case is the like most compelling information is that the son is now an adult, I imagine, working to to prevent this from happening to other kids. So he seems to have whatever the version of history he's remembering is that his father was right and his mother was wrong in in doing what she did. Then great. In just this case, though. But you're right. It's like a case by case (laughs) situation. Maybe is it possible they like went for a Brazilian vacation and she was like, oh, the beaches here are so good. (laughs) (laughs) Let's never go home. Wisconsin is so cold this time of year. Let's just stay here forever. So when David Goldman went down to retrieve Sean. Yeah. By the way, this was a huge international incident in the U.S. Was you know, I don't remember this. When did it happen? Me either. That's like 2008. T- I mean, along the lines of sort of like a Elian Gonzalez. Now that right? I, remember, I mean, yeah. there, that there I remember, are yeah. there are like some similarities here about who the parent is and you know parental rights and all that other stuff. Okay, so when David Goldman went down to retrieve Sean, NBC's Jeff Ross and tagged along, and then NBC offered to fly David and Sean back on their private jet so they could avoid any issues at the commercial airport. Now, journalists really criticized the ethics of doing this. Yes. What do you think? I think that you should not become part of the story when you're a journalist. I think that's pretty fucking clear. Mm-hmm. That's like being in a nature documentary when the lion is about to kill the gazelle going, wait, <laughs> wait a second, we don't have the shot right. 
Hold on, <laughs> lion. Hey, someone tie the gazelle to a tree. She's getting away. <laughs> this is bullshit. Yeah, no, I, that's terrible because it, there's, it's so clearly there's an underlying motive, right? They want to create a story of the week. They want to they want to mm-hmm. milk it for all it's worth. And so, yeah, absolutely, they shouldn't get involved. And the horrible thing is that he gets off the plane, he's got to talk to Al Roker. <laughs> That's going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Erica Vialba. Erica, where can our listeners follow you online? Oh, well, you can follow us at That Aged Well Pod on Twitter and on Spoutable, and at That Aged Well on Instagram. And you can listen to That Aged Well with my partner, Paul, and I uh, on any platform you listen to uh, podcasts. And Rebecca Lavoie, how can listeners follow you? You can find me on all the platforms, even the new ones where I post nothing, at <laughs> Reb Lavoie. Just in case. <laughs> Just in case. Uh, you can tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy and Lily Flynn handles our promotions. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act, fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Basin Loose, Mississippi Studio, and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. In a fast-paced world... Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.